Good morning. Thank you so much for giving your time this morning. I will go ahead and tell you, and I'm sorry if it's disappointing, I am not the expert on this topic, but probably like you as mothers and grandmothers, I'm really passionate about the topic and I know the need. And so especially when my children were babies, young, when I, when I only had one, maybe one and another on the way, I was constantly looking for resources. So my, my hope is that this is some sort of resource this morning and maybe also just the start of a continuing conversation. It's a really broad topic to cover in one hour and even leave a little bit of time for questions. So I'm gonna try to stay kind of broad and bring in some specifics um, to talk about. Um, we've been back in Nashville now going on four years. We were in Texas before that. Um, my husband and I both attended college in Nashville over 20-something years ago. And um, I, especially when we lived in Texas, the community I was in there, they were always saying, why don't you go ahead and write some of these things down? Why don't we talk about it? Why don't we, you know, get this going? And I, I remember because my children were kind of young, I was like, I don't really feel like I need to be doing that till I'm at least convinced that one of them is going to be a contributing member to society. That feels premature, and I don't believe in any type of superstition, but I was like, that might jinx it if I'm like, let me tell you what I've learned. And so I have one that's going to be a senior next year, and I'm like, okay, well, we're close enough that at least I've kind of seen this progression of how to pray with kids, what works with praying with kids, and what we need to know as parents, specifically moms and grandmas, because um, I think that's who we have in here today um, and, and what will happen. And so over the break, knowing that I was going to do this, I have four children. My oldest is almost 17. It's a boy. Then I have a girl who's 14. And then I have another boy who's 11. And then another girl who's 8. And so we kind of span that elementary through high school years in, in looking at this. And so I quizzed them all over the break, like, Tell me what's worked. Tell me what you hate. Tell me what I should tell these moms. Tell me what you like. And last night I was talking to my oldest um, after he was done with all his homework, and I said, tell me the thing that you're going to take away growing up in this household about prayer. Like, what's your takeaway when you leave our house? What's the thing that's going to be consistent? And thankfully, he had not seen the handout, but he really honed in without meaning to on that Deuteronomy verse at the top. And he said, the thing that I'm going to take away is that prayer is just constant. It's not this thing you do on Sunday mornings in the worship service. It's not this thing that you even do in like a devotional time in your house. He's like, the thing that I've just been immersed in growing up is that we pray all the time for all the things and all the ways, and you can do it at any moment, not just the dinner table not just we're going to have family devotional time, but it's, if he's like, if we're not praying, we're talking about praying. And a lot of that lens is definitely a freedom prayer lens. And so I'm, I'm coming today from that lens. If you're not sure what that looks like, they, I will have people at the end raise their hands and you can ask them what that is. I would encourage you, and I, I mean this, one of the best things you can do for your children to help them pray is to go get those tools for yourself because that is just how we've raised our kids. And I feel like while we have definitely failed on a lot of things, we got that part pretty right because they're, they're equipped and they know how to do conversation with the Lord to clear their hearts. So he said it was the, the aspect that prayer was constant, it was important, and that they were invited in. So to start this morning, I just want to start because I'm an outline organized kind of thinker, and so hopefully this will jog your memory when you go home later. As parents, 
And I'm talking parents even of really young babies, toddlers, your children just need to see you praying. Um, and the dinner table's great, Sunday morning's great, small groups, life groups are great, but I mean like stopping to pray in the kitchen, stopping to pray with your spouse, if, if that is doable, um, at all times, day, night. So from the time that our children were little, that's what they saw. Like we would stop in the car and pray about something that was coming up. And when they were just little, we would invite them in. Do you guys have anything you want to offer up to the Lord? And anything they gave, no matter how small, we're like, yes, he loves your heart. He loves to hear your words. He wants to communicate. So they need to see you praying silently. I mean, for both my husband and I, we are often interrupted, and it's a good interruption in the morning with children, the younger ones, the older ones are sleeping way late now. So it, it happens for those of you who are like, please God, when are they going to sleep? They do, they do. And you're dragging them out of bed at 11 over the break going, do you, you want to be productive today? Do you want to spend time? And so it, it shifts. And we're kind of in the in-between. We have two, almost three that are going that way and one that's still bright and early. And so they need to see you praying silently. Um, and often we would invite them into that, and sometimes we would say, can you hold on one second? I just want to finish talking to the Lord about this one thing. Sit with me, and you either do it silently or do it out loud. There's no rules there. They just need to see that it's a priority. Um, They need to see you out loud with them, out loud with your spouse, out loud with your friends, and then with others, it was really common. It's all that my kids have known, that people would show up at our house in the morning, during the day, it late at the, in the evening, often too late in the evening, just to come pray. And so sometimes children were invited into that, if that was appropriate. Other times, they're just really used to mom and dad going into another room with an individual or a couple or a couple couples, and we're like, hey, we're going to go seek the Lord. Can you guys do this while we're doing it? So they were included knowing that this is a process, but depending on what the topic was, um, they just that's all they've known. Um, Children need to hear you praying, and I would say especially for children approximately nine and under, that's really how they learn, and imitation is good. So we were praying together as a family before we went back to school this week. I don't remember when it was, sometime this past weekend. And the 16-year-old, the 14-year-old, the 11-year-old, their faith is really their own right now. It's become their own. They are developmentally able to access the Lord. But the 8-year-old is still really learning. And so we were seeking the Lord. We were waiting on the Lord. I'm going to talk about how we do that in a little bit. And it was very obvious that her prayers and her responses were sort of imitation rote. That's okay. Like, I know it wasn't this anointed thing. She was copying, and to her brothers and sisters, you know, to their frustration, because they don't understand that imitation's flattery. You know, it's a a good thing. Um, But she wasn't coming up with her own stuff. She was saying what they were saying, but that's okay. It really is, because I'm a product of all the people that I watched praying. And I'm not talking just as a child. I'm talking well into my 20s listening, watching people praying. That's a good thing. So let them imitate. Let them copy. It's okay if you're like, that is not the Lord. That's what I said or that's what they heard. That's okay. That's how you get there. Um, And children need to join you in praying for others. Um, A specific story I was remembering as I was talking to my children, I homeschooled one of my children for one year. It was 
amazing. I loved it. It was perfect. It was in a transition before we came here. And one of the things that she told me, um, it's my oldest daughter, that she had two goals, and they were the same goals as mine, so that were very much alike. So it, it worked well most days. And um, she said that she wanted to be a better writer, that she wanted to learn how to write, which I was like, yes, I can do that. Can't do the math, but I can do the writing. And she said, I, I want to learn how to pray. And so we had a standing date as part of her homeschool. Any homeschool moms in here? All right, good. Okay, so as part of her instruction for that year, um, I had a friend come over who was ill and who agreed to this plan. Um, and the three of us would sit on the floor. My daughter was 10 or 11, maybe. Um, and we would pray for my sweet friend who um, had a terminal illness for that whole year. And so Claire, my oldest daughter, learned how to do the travailing prayer, the persevering prayer, the prayer when you don't see answers, the prayer for inner healing, the prayer for physical healing. And the, the guidelines were I was going to start, and this woman was precious to us, and then Claire was going to jump in as she felt comfortable. And part of her training in that was, I said, ask the Lord every week the peace that you have. So you don't have to be, you know, graduated from college to step your children into those things. I, I say step them in as young as possible, that they are vital contributors to this process of prayer. And the sooner they learn that language, the better. And so that, that was, I don't even have words to describe what that looked like, but she was a little shaky in it, Claire was at first, and she's pretty confident but also kind of like, oh, I'm, I'm included in this. Include them anywhere you can. Um, they need to join you in intercession. I think one of the easiest, like, surefire ways to get your kids praying and liking it is pull out a map. It could be a map of Nashville. It could be a map of the United States. Bonus points if it's a map of the world. And say, ask the Lord where his heart is. And, and what he has for you to, to agree with him today. Because you're not going to lose there. Even the youngest ones could go, India. And you're like, yes, because you know the Lord's heart is for India, even if that wasn't some sort of anointed kind of deposit. You want them to engage the Lord's heart for things. So including them as young as possible in intercession. You could have the city of Nashville. You could have the, the world map. You could put little pins. Some of you are very Pinteresty, creative people, and you could school me in it because I'm like moderately average there. So you could have some sort of board and this week, God, what's your heart for this place? How can we pray? How can we agree with you there? And then the team approach. I know some of you, I don't know all of you, but I know many of you, a lot of you do a lot of ministry in various ways and various things in your church and your community. And so even when mine were really young, if mom was going to leave the house that night to go pray with someone um, in that freedom prayer context, because that's what we know, um, I would say as they're sitting around the table, you know, making a mess and little, I'm talking like two, three, four, five, six, seven, in that kind of range, I would say, mom's going to go do this. I really need the Lord to be on display. Because the situations in that room are too big for me. So they're, they're hearing my desperation and how I say that. And I would say things like, would you be my intercessory team? Would you ask the Lord to be on display? And I would leave it at that. And you kind of see them sit up a little straight like, oh, 
I'm in this too, even though I'm not actually physically there and even though I'm a child. And it, it was always surprising to me in the best way the next morning, Mom, how did it go? Was God on display? Mm-hmm. So that they are already tracking that that's the goal in prayer. That it's really not about our words. It's really not about how we do it. It's about the Lord being on display. And so you can include them that young to get them going. I would say, um, number four, you must intentionally create space for children to build attachment and connection relationally, conversationally. And you can do that from the time that they're babies. Like many of you, if you've searched the bookstore, searched online, there are a lot of more activities for prayer, which are great. I've used some of those. I'm going to talk about some of those. But my frustration as a younger mom was that there aren't many things out there to say, this is actually how you bridge the gap and get them attached to God. And so that's kind of on us. Like, I don't want them just popping prayers into the air, not really sure who they're talking to. So we're going to talk about ways to how you intentionally build that attachment, build that connection. So it's not some sort of rote religious activity. Because most of the adults who come into prayer times for Freedom Prayer will say, that's all I've known of prayer. This thing I'm supposed to be doing, I don't know how to do it. I don't feel connected. I don't feel relational. So if you can get them young, that's that's a bonus. Um, And I would say number five, and I know that this room is, is pretty diverse in church background, but I would be remiss not to say this. You must act on the offensive in prayer, in training them and praying with them, specifically in the areas of identity and spiritual warfare. I can tell you that if you don't start young, um, inviting them into an age-appropriate understanding of there's a good side and a bad side, and really just think about how easily they know this. The Marvel Universe sets that up so great. Star Wars, I mean, it's, it's already in their head. Like, they understand this on a really intuitive level. And so we have to look at the counterfeits, which I love Marvel and I love Star Wars. I'm not knocking those things. We go to those movies. But it's a counterfeit to the real thing. Like, there is a good side and a bad side. The good side is immeasurably good. And the bad side is very real, but we have the victory. And so I can remember very young with our kids setting up this idea in our conversation, what we talked about around the dinner table. And you can use things like what you're seeing at the movies, what's on TV. I remember very young, my kids watching PBS. I love PBS. And Dora the Explorer is doing some sort of magic. And the kids are like, what's that? And I'm like, well, there's a good side and there's a bad side. And and Dora's kind of camping in on the bad side. That's not God's best to do spells. I mean, it's it's all over. So you don't have to hide in fear from it, but you can engage them with it. And so they know, okay, that's not God's best. That's that's the counterfeit. We use that word a lot, even when they were young. Here's here's what's true. Here's, Here's the goodness in that. And so it sets up this umbrella so that when they hit that pre-puberty, puberty years where it really becomes their own, they already have that grid to pray from. If you ignore that the enemy is really bent on scaring them there or making it seem like that doesn't exist, here's what's going to happen. Because in this city, as I'm praying with children and praying with youth, and I do that a lot for kids that are not mine, for other people's kids, if they don't have that grid young, the enemy's going to make a play for them about age 9, 10, 11, or 12, right in that puberty transition, 
and they're going to take it on as themselves. So this thing that's swirling, it becomes, well, I must be evil. I must be bad. I must be guilty. Those thoughts that came in, they're my thoughts now, and they start to disengage. And so I would say whatever you can do on an age-appropriate level, even young, and things come up, just call it what it is, but no big deal. Like, this is just our reality. There's a battle. We're in it. We're on the winning team. And you can engage them later if you set up that structure. The enemy, and there is one, and I can talk to you about that more if you're like, is there? I'm like, yes, there is one. I can tell you enough good scripture and stories to back that up. The enemy is after their identity. He's after their identity from the time that they're in the womb. There's no question. He will really make a play for it about puberty, pre-puberty, 9, 10, 11, 12, if he hasn't already set up some things young. And so you want that grid that it's safe and okay and normal Christian life to talk about these things and to pray about these things. Um, Number six, prayer must matter to you if you want it to matter to your kids. And I'm not talking in theory like we should pray, Christians pray. I mean, it's got to matter. They've got to see you doing it you know, camped in it, lots of different ways. I Again, I have the Freedom Prayer lens, especially for how to do internal kind of discussions with God. But I'm talking about all the prayer, intercessory prayer, persevering prayer, group prayer, individual prayer. Do all the prayer. If it matters to you, there is a lot more that's caught than taught in prayer. I mean, we have tried successfully and unsuccessfully to build this great little devotional about prayer, and we'll talk about when that goes wrong and why it goes wrong. But our children, I can look now and go, they are catching a lot more than what we actually set up to teach because it's just part of the fabric. Um, Number seven, put yourself and your children where you will be stretched in prayer. So we make all sorts of pilgrimages in our culture. We will go down to the game in some city, which I love doing that. That's great. We'll go to some sort of other conference, you know, we'll go to concerts. We travel to do a lot of things. Travel with your kids to go pray. And I mean, travel where it stretches you a little bit. If you hear about a 24-hour prayer and worship and you're like, I don't know, let me go check it out online, go with them. You're their covering. You're their their person. But put them in places where they're going to be stretched in prayer. I can give you a really safe one coming up. If some of you are participating in Awaken this year, or a lot of churches in Nashville come together and pray and fast for the city, it's a beautiful experience. This year, for the first time, we're going to have a 24-hour, seven days a week, mobile prayer and worship room that travels to churches, and you can go to all the churches. Bring your kids. I really encourage you, and because there'll be stations that they can access, like art stations, um, intercessory stations. Let them see that this is much bigger, that it's a unified thing that we do in the body. But take them where you'll be stretched, where they'll be stretched, that this expression of prayer, um, Andrew Murray says, give weight to the thing that's weightiest. Prayer's the weightiest. Like that's what we were made for. It's communion. So so take them to do things like that. Um, Give them space to do that. When I was thinking about this topic, Initially, I thought, okay, we'll talk about how do you do this with early childhood, kind of those middle years, and then high school, kind of going into adulthood. But the truth is that didn't land well with me because I think there are some things that you have to establish first, but we often revisit them even with our older kids. So I'm going to talk about it in seasons, 
Because what I like about the word seasons is that there's a start and end, but then it'll cycle back. So these things aren't like, if you look at season one and you're like, I have a 17-year-old, I haven't done any of these things. That's okay. Like, it doesn't matter where you start. There's a, a lot of grace to get a lot of things at once. And I can say with all these seasons that I'm going to talk about, we do these things with adults who've never done it before. So I tried to just organize it so you can think about what developmentally might need to happen. But if you're starting with a 18-year-old, and you need to go season one, season two, season three in a matter of nine months, the Lord's really gracious there. But if you have littles, this is kind of the progression that we went in. Um, in that first season in establishing a healthy prayer life with them and for them, they just need to know from the beginning God is approachable, he's relatable, you can encounter him, and he will encounter you, and that is actually why we were made. Kids from very young have this idea, much like adults, I mean, we understand this, that God is really distant, he's really mad at me, and I'm going to really mess up, and he's really just really focused on what I can do for him. You know, and there's pieces of that that, that way true, but establish first that he prefers to be called father, that he says, let the children come unto me, that you were made to seek and find him, and when you do, you will, that you can draw near to him, and he draws near right back, and that when you go to him, tons of scripture that says he will listen, he will bend low to hear, like that, for whatever reason, and again, if I were the enemy, I would set it up this way as early as possible, that's often missing from even very young. So if you can establish that from the get-go, that's a good place to start, and you have to establish it from a place of debunking the thing that they just kind of come up with. And that's, I think, how we, and I love Sunday church very much, all the Sunday churches. But if that's the only place they're seeing prayer, it's easy to walk away thinking, I've got to be really still. Which, how many seven-year-old boys do you know that can be really still? I've got to close my eyes. I've got to bow my head. All good things. But we sort of need to bunk, debunk this very religious take on what prayer looks like. Almost all of my children, if not from a very young age into middle school age, would say, Mom, do we have to like get really low? Because sometimes I just want to look up because I, I just want to see them. I'm like, do that. Please do that. You know, there's places where maybe you can't do that. And so debunk some of this boxed-in thing that we have. And think about where they are developmentally. So the language that children speak, especially young, it's a language of play. It's a language of movement. They're highly creative. God made them that way. And I think one of the, the surefire ways to express that should be in prayer. Because in school, they're going to have to sit still. In church, they're going to have to sit still. And they should. You know, you got to teach good boundaries and what's appropriate. But in your home, let them play, or let them pray on a developmentally appropriate place. So with our kids, we did a lot of things where we used art to introduce the fact that you could start to draw and think about the Lord and express something. And as you're drawing, you can simultaneously tell him about it. That's prayer. But it's using a skill set. They don't have all the cognitive ability to speak all the words yet. That man, they can use colors. I've, I've sat with really young children, some, many that are not my own, and they're using colors in the prayer time to express the emotions that they don't have words for yet. Use it. God gave them that ability. They're not 
stuck or blocked like we get as adults later, I would say, moms, we should use it too. It's healthy. It's good. But use that to start the conversation. Um, Worship and movement, they go hand in hand with prayer. Prayer and worship, to me, there's not really a big line in between. So we would do a lot of things. I remember specifically, like we're a dance party kind of family. And I'm not just talking like worship music, like a good hip-hop song will go a long way in the Barnett house. But when we would, when the kids were especially young, we still do this now and then, but when they're at that age where this is just really fun for them, we would use worship to kickstart prayer. And what I mean by that is there was this, this is a song that I remember the most. There's a Will Reagan United Pursuit song called Nothing I Hold On To. So it's a very like tangible lyric in it. And it's beautiful. And you know, little girls, especially two, three, four, five, six, seven, they are like prima ballerinas, whether they are or not. So they want to do all the twirling and the movement. And so with them, we would we would be dancing in our house. And in the lyric that says, there's nothing I hold on to. I'm going to climb this mountain with my hands wide open, which is counterintuitive. You don't climb mountains with your hands open. And we talked to them about that. And we said, okay, now, when you dance now, tell the Lord, I trust you so much. I'm just going to lift my hands and climb the mountain. I mean, just use the song. And so they're learning they could take an aspect of worship and declare it back as a declaration. Those declaration prayers are really powerful. We don't do them enough as adults. Kids don't have any blocks to them. So teach them, God, I am choosing today to climb and my hands are going to be open because I love you. I trust you. And then, you know, the little ballerina girls are dancing and the boys, you know, they're, they're climbing it and doing you know, whatever works. But, but use the things that they can tap into young. Use scripture. Um, and use scripture with any of this, with art, with pictures. Um, my two youngest, I can remember sitting on the couch with them, trying to establish young that God's approachable and that he's good and he's relational. And because they don't have all the, the developmental skills yet at five, six, seven, I would pull up the computer because anytime you let a young child get near a device, it's like, oh yeah, like I'm there because we had boundaries. I'm like, who wants to look at the computer with mom? <laughs> right there. <laughs> because that was, that was a treat. And I was like, there's this scripture that talks about Jesus being a shepherd and leading you beside still waters and green pastures. And I would just pull up 50 pictures that I could find of what that looks like because kids are really visual and so now they have something to anchor to. Okay, there's something about Jesus and how he feels about me that looks like this. And I would say, what do you like about that picture? Okay, tell God. Tell him, this is what I love. That's an act of prayer and worship. If you were a sheep, where would you be in that picture? Well, I'd be over here. I'd be over here because I like to be here. Tell the Lord, this is how I am as your sheep. Now tell the Lord how you feel if you were that sheep. So I'm using something they can anchor to that's creative, that's a picture. I'm using scripture, and then I'm just walking them through how to pray it back. So simple, even with the smallest of kids. And especially if you can pull it on a device, they're going to go with you. They're going to like doing that. They're like, let's look at more pictures. And, And that's fine because they're filling their mind with the Lord. It's a good thing. Um, some kids, as they get older, like to journal. I've had at least two of my four be pretty consistent, and they'll take a scripture and a journal. They'll draw their heart, 
and then they'll they'll have a prayer after that. So easy. They love to do stuff like that, especially if you'll share in that with them. For your kids that are not wired like that, I would say don't make them do that. Like ask the Lord, what's going to spark a prayer life for how you've wired? All four of my kids are so different. I've tried to get at least two of them to be sort of alike so we can parent at least on one track. It's not going to happen. Like they are so incredibly different in their wiring, in their gifts, and how they see and perceive the Lord. That's okay. So if it works, great. If it doesn't, don't don't push it. Um, Manipulatives, especially with boys. If you have boys, this is so helpful. I've seen more boys, my own and many others' boys, start tracking with the Lord in prayer when there wasn't this pressure to pray because kids feel that pressure, like I'm going to fail. We do too as adults, but I think it's really common with kids. I'm not going to pray right. I can't pray right. What if I can't hear God? What if he doesn't like me? What if I'm not a prayer, which that is just not biblical? What if, what if I'm not good at it? But if you put a boy, girls too, but specifically boys, in front of Legos or Playmobil and say, let's build something to describe what you're dealing with right now. I can think of several boys who I've prayed with where I said, that thing that's making you so angry, let's let's just build for a second a house where you could be safe to talk about it with the Lord. And man, they go to it. And I don't go, and now we will pray. Because <laughs> then they're going to go like this. I'll just say, ask the Lord if he was going to be in that house with you, Because John 14, he's in the house with you. He abides. Where would he be? Ask him what his heart is about you as you're angry in this house. I was like, and then ask the Lord, how does he want to deal with this anger with you? What does he want to do? And man, they start building like escape pods and weapons. And that's their language. That's the language of play for boys. And God is totally okay using the language that they speak. They, they can't really get into the sanctification part yet. They're not wired for it yet. They'll get there if you establish that it's safe to go to him and that you can speak to him at your level. Um, we used all sorts of manipulatives. Um, something that I've used with kids, if you have a little plastic bucket, if you want to do a heart, again, Pinterest moms that are in here, yours will be beautiful and painted with glitter and calligraphy, but I've just done a bucket and a cut, cut out heart. And they need a visual to access what's going on here because they don't have the emotional capacity yet. They don't have the words. But we'll crumble up pieces of paper or rocks, put them in the heart bucket and say, what's in here that's weighing your heart down that doesn't need to be in here? Ask the Lord to help you name it if you can't name it. Okay, let's pick up one of them that you know doesn't need to be on your heart. God, what do you want to do with this? Just close your eyes and think about him. Listen to him. What do you want to do? Some kids will immediately, because God's good like that, say, well, I felt like God just came and took it out and threw it down the street or whatever he does. If you get an answer like that, I can back that up biblically. Good. You say yes. So let's tell the Lord, God, Jesus, whatever they say, I give you permission to take that rock and throw it out. I don't want it on my heart. Some kids, that's going to be hard at first. So you've got to step in and mediate from that authority that you carry as a a parent. You can say, you know, in scripture it says there are burdens sometimes that we don't need to carry, that his burden is light. Can we take that rock out? Can we put it over here and ask him for one that's lighter? You're just appropriating scripture in prayer. You're showing them how to do it. But a visual like that can help. 
Um, and I would say finally at the end of those bullet points, let them lead out in prayer even when they're young. Um, Advent season is an awesome time to do this. Like as the kids have gotten older, we'll say, okay, tonight we're going to talk about hope. Kid number one, you're in charge. You're going to bring the scripture. You're going to tell what you think about it, and you're going to lead us in prayer. So you have to build up to that. Very young, we'll say, hey, tell God what you're thankful for in this Advent season, What, how you hope in him. Just one sentence prayer. You can help them with it. You're, you're building capacity over the years to do that. Um, if you've ever been sick, this is the sick season where if you've got kids, somebody's got the flu at least one time and every month. In your home from church, we used to do home church. Um, and you just say, okay, child number two, you're in charge of the call and response in prayer. That's a really easy way to train kids. So we would show them, here's what you're going to do. You're going to give us a truth about God. We would show them like in the Psalms. Those are easy for kids to grab a hold of. Write five truths, and then think about what you want us to respond to in prayer. And sometimes they're really funny because kids, you know, they don't have a filter. It could be like, yes, God, amen. And I'm like, That's, we should do that like that in church sometimes. Like, yes, you know, whatever they want to say, but you're equipping them to lead. And we would tell our kids very young, your Holy Spirit is not a younger version of ours. You are younger, but you have access to the Holy Spirit just like we do. It's not like you get this, this upgraded version. You're growing into that. But the Spirit's alive and well. You can contribute here. And it, it will probably entertain you too, especially if you have young ones. But we would say, ask God a picture that he wants to bless our house with this morning. They couldn't teach it or speak it or pray it yet, but they could draw it. And then we could help them pray it back as it's an act of worship. So start young. Um, the second part in that first season you want to introduce and disciple a rhythm of prayer. And I'm not talking some religious thing where at 8 o'clock every Wednesday we do this. Although if you can manage to do that, power to you. We have tried and failed many, many times in this kind of religious thing of it has to look like this. And our kids are varied enough. We can never keep it because there's different seasons. And so we just wanted a natural rhythm of prayer that happened all the time. Um, a few of you have heard me talk about this. We just called it prayer spa because that's what it feels like. You, you can call it a better name than that. We, it, this is the number one requested way to pray in my house even today. We did this this past weekend. The kids get excited, the youngest all the way to the oldest. We call it prayer spa because what it looks like is we put on instrumental music, just no words, some sort of worship instrumental music. My personal favorite is Brian Wages. If you haven't come across him, it's just really peaceful music um, that I feel like he wrote. It's called Music for Prayer, so he wrote it to help with this. Um, and normally the kids are in comfortable clothes, often they're PJs. They get their favorite pillows, blankets. We all get in the den. We start the music, and we go through this rhythm of prayer that we have taught them very young, and now they've grown up into it, and so they can access it better. Um, some of you are familiar with the Acts sort of way of praying, where you have adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. I don't know if that was James Dobson. I've seen it as long as I've had kids. It's probably from him. seems like something that would be from him. And that's a good framework to start with. That's the framework I started from when my kids were really young. But I've kind of added to it from a freedom prayer lens. So they'll get in there. We'll play the music. And the first thing I start with, kind of preemptively before adoration and prayer, 
I'll just say, just close your eyes and think about God. Just think about God. If you want to think about Jesus, if you want to think about the Spirit, three in one, doesn't matter. But just think about God and really pay attention to how you feel when you think about Him. Is it a good feeling? Is it a bad feeling? Do you feel like you can get near to Him? He says you can. So it's okay if you have a picture in your mind of what it looks like to get close to Him. And if you've been in Freedom Prayer times with me, you're like, oh, she does this with me too. I mean, it's just important. Like, we don't want to just be popping prayers into the air. We, we really need to take the time to draw near and get close. And it's okay if you can't do it. There's a reason why. So we want to do that from the beginning. And we'll say, think about what, what do you see in your mind when you think about God? And it's okay to give them the opportunity to do that because they think about you all day and they see a picture. You know, when they're at school and they think about mom or grandma, they can call you up. They have a sense of emotional reaction to you. They can recall memories. That's a beautiful gift that God made. He made it primarily, though, so that we would do that with Him. And so teach them. You, you can think about God and you can pay attention to all your senses because He made those to encounter Him primarily, but bonus that we get to do at other places, too. So we'll say, how do you feel? Do you have a sense of his nearness? And for those of you who have multiple kids, I would say like almost ad nauseum, just go through all the ways each time that you can encounter God. Because you may have a child that's really visual and they're like, I see the throne and I can just go right up to him and he hugs me and that's fantastic. But you may have another child who's not so visual, but they're really sensory. So they don't necessarily see anything in their mind's eye in that place where they can imagine, but they have such a strong sense of peace. You may have another child who isn't either of those, but they're like, I just hear this small voice that, that says, come on. You know, and that would be a language that Jesus would speak to a kid. Come on, you can come over here. And so cover it each time so kids don't feel like, one, they have to compete, or two, that they're not doing it right. Like you can sensory, you can sense him, you can see him, you can hear him, you can have a sense of his presence. And I, I do that every time, even though my kids have grown up like this. And then from that place of connection, we'll say, now get near and tell God today, what's your favorite thing about him? That's adoration. That's worship. Tell him something that you love about him. Tell him something that you can't wait to know more about with him. And then from that place, go to confession. Because with kids and youth, children, all ages, it's the places where they normally feel guilty that keep them separate from God. And so we've just made confession a really normal part and not a guilt-shame part, but a, oh, this is a gift of grace that... We can go to most holy God, put it in the light on the table with him, and turn from it and get near. So I will, even this past weekend, walk them through that process. Ask the Lord if there's anything you're carrying on your heart that you need to get off your heart. That's confession. Something that you feel guilty about. Something that you feel ashamed about. Now, tell him you're sorry. It's repentance. And turn from it and go right up to him and say, I don't want to do that anymore. Can you help me? You see, that's so different from you did it wrong, shame on you. It's more biblical that way. So I'm turning. I, I don't even want to see that thing anymore, that thing I thought or that thing I did. And I'm coming to you. And we'll tell our kids, just like you can come to us with anything, and we're going to help you, God's even better at it. So go to him and say, I'm turning from this. I, I don't want to do this anymore. 
And from that place of confession and turning, um, you can then say, and it depends on your own language here, I often will have my kids in that group silent prayer time to say, God, I receive your forgiveness. Because if we don't help them do that, they'll grow into adults that theologically know they're forgiven but don't access it. So I'll say, before we do anything else, God, I receive your forgiveness. I'll say, whatever that looks like or sounds like to you, just take it and keep it because he offers it to you. And if, if I can tell, like, one of them's wrestling through it, I'll say, just ask him, God, am I really forgiven? Like, I've never not seen the Lord do something, say something, give a sense of something. They're like, yeah, of course. And so receive it. And then in that place, you receive it and you get near. And so literally walk them through that. It'll help them when they're older, too, if you start young. Yeah. Sorry, I don't want to interrupt. No, but good. with four kiddos, um, for both of those things, for the drawing near, for the confession, those two mm-hmm. in particular, do you find it important to try to do things separately at first? Or I found my two youngers, and this was a year or two ago, that kind of mimicked what their siblings <laughs> saw when they mm-hmm. thought of God. I'm okay with the mimic because they're learning some things. But as much as we do like a family prayer spa, I'm going to pull them, my husband's going to yeah. pull them and pray when things come. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And, and, what, and I'll, I'll, I'll remind me if I don't come back to this, but especially with confession, like after this big prayer spa, I wish I had a better biblical word for it, but that's what it feels like. Sorry, you can name it something better, but it does. It feels spa-like when you're done. Their hearts are, you know, content. They feel better. Um, with confession at the end, we always talk about it as a family, but really in that freedom prayer tenet of a culture of honor, mm-hmm. you can share if you want to. You don't have to. And so the mimic is good because the littles, I call them the littles and the bigs, two bigs, two littles, although that third is not so little anymore. And so he's kind of moving up here. Um, we'll say, you know, those two at the top, they are more than happy to share their, their stuff. Um, because we've mimicked that. So like my husband is the first to share often. Here's where I'm really wrestling. And, and so they say, oh, dad doesn't have it all together and he's really needing the Lord to fix this. So it's a trickle down. But I don't worry if a child doesn't want to <laughs> confess it. As long as they've done that work with the Lord, that's that's step one. Um, and they're really, when you start from, when you start from that place of adoration, You're going from this big picture idea of God, which they get. They get it at Sunday school. They get it at church. Like God, creator God, majestic God, which I'm all about that picture. And you're just helping them have that, but funnel down to this very personal God. And he's he's both. And so sometimes after something like confession, I'll walk them through, like, just tell the Lord, thank you that you're so big and you made jellyfish, you know, whatever their appropriate age is and the world and that we're breathing and gravity and all those things, but that you're so acquainted with my heart, God. And so you're teaching them in prayer how to how to get to both. They definitely probably have the first one. It's that second one that's so hard for kids and adults to access. Um, after the confession piece, Thanksgiving, we'll just say, tell the Lord something you're really thankful for and tell him specifically. So teaching kids just that place of gratitude And not just thanks, I mean, they're obviously thankful for their family, thankful for school, but I'll say like, specifically what? And it's really fun to let them really hone in on, wait, there are some very, very unique things that are at my disposal because of you, God. And so to not be so blanketed, there's church answers. We're a 
call it out semi-sarcastic kind of family. So we'll often be like, yeah, that's the Sunday school answer. And they'll laugh and they'll go, okay, let me, let me retrace this because they're good at giving the right answers. We want the heart answer. Um, and then at the end, if you do the traditional acts kind of prayer version of this, it's supplication. That's a big church word. Basically, we just use that time for intercession. I want kids that know how to intercede for others, and I'm tapping in on the fact that we want children who move in intercession and empathy, because empathy is really missing in the culture that's just ahead of them. So I'm, I'm laser focused on empathy and prayer. So we'll say something like, God, will you give me your heart for a group of people? Or in school this week, God, will you highlight for me right now who you're really watching and you want me to to watch with you, to pay special attention to, to maybe reach out? And I, I leave it really vague because I want God to tell them, God, will you show me the ones who are struggling? Will you show me the ones with the, the battle inside and they feel very alone and very scared and very afraid? And again, developmental to their age, but we were having the kids ask those kinds of questions once they hit school because kids know. They're, they're actually more, they intuitively pick up on things more than busy to hurried adults. So you can have a first grader say, God, will you just remind me right now who in my class is really struggling and may, may need your light? God, will you show me if there's anything you want me to say or do? I have watched my kids do really tangible, practical things, not because I told them to, but because they made this, we made the space in prayer for them to hear from the Lord. And they'll, sometimes they say things that internally, I'm just confessing this, I'm like, that is much bigger and way more involved than maybe God wanted, but okay. And, and it works. Because they're, they're willing to be brave because they heard it from the Lord. It's not mom going, I think you should do A, B, C, D for this person. It becomes their own. Um, in that place of supplication and intercession, we always end at the end with something like, God, will you remind me who I am? Because we're sealing it up with identity. Because the enemy wants their identity, and that's what he's poking at from the time they're young. Will you remind me who I am? I love the question, will you tell me what you call me? I mean, God called people names in the Bible. He changed names. Will you tell me the thing that you've placed in my heart that looks like you? Because they have a specific image of God, a thumbprint of God on their life. So what is it that I carry that's specific to me that looks like you? Because we'll say things in the prayer time like, you have our DNA, but you have the DNA of God. Especially important for our youngest who actually doesn't have our DNA. We're like, but you have our spiritual DNA, and that, that trumps all the other. So what is it that I carry, God, that looks like you? Really important questions. Um, and then we end, and then we just give moments for people to share. I'll go back to each topic and say, does anybody want to share about? And it's very obvious that the 8-year-old is mimicking and copying, but that's how all the other ones did, too. And that's okay. I'm okay in that group time if it looks like that. We just go, yeah, that's good. That's great. Um, I would say, too, a fun exercise separate from prayer spa is to just talk with your spouse, if that's an option, talk um, with God, and come up with what are, what are the, what's our creed, what's our motto, what's our takeaway as a family regarding prayer. So if you come in our house, we had to figure this out years ago because my husband and I were asked to speak to a parenting conference, and we were like, we better figure out on paper what it is that we really believe. So this is why these things are always good. And we realized that we had kind of 
from the time they were little, talked about a creed in our home that was ask Jesus everything and keep it in the light. And we had decided that if they walked out of our house knowing that, they would probably be, probably be saved from a whole lot of pain. That you could go to Jesus about anything and everything and you should because he's your friend. And that we don't keep anything in the dark, no matter how bad, no matter how scary, no matter how guilty it makes us. So keep it in the light. Ask Jesus everything. You can steal that or you can come up with your own. But we're like, this is the thing we want them to walk away with. Besides Jesus being your one thing. I'll, I'll still ask my kids, what's your one thing? They're like, Jesus. I'm like, no, really. Is that really your one thing today? Yes. And so Jesus is your one thing. But keep it in the light. Ask him everything. So that's kind of, those are some foundational, fundamental things that I think have to be there um, no matter where you start. Um, under this umbrella in that season one of God is near and approachable and he has things to say and you were made to hear them because most children don't believe that they are and we've kind of got to debunk some of that. Season two, and in our household, this normally played out in that pre-puberty, puberty kind of year because those years are already chaos. I mean, chemically, hormonally, they are all over the map. I don't care how good they are. I've looked at all of my children in that season and gone, where, where did they go? Like, what happened? And then, you know, about 13, 14, you're like, oh, there they are. They're back. And so I say that if you're approaching those. You, you lose them. You don't lose them. It's just there's a lot going on. And if I were the enemy, I would take all of that chaos and just partner with it. And so I have a lot of grace for the hormonal and the changes. I looked at my oldest when he was 11 or 12. I was like, some days do you just hear the birds singing and you're like, oh, it's beautiful. And then you just want to step on their head. And he was like, yes. You're okay. It's okay. That's the season you're in. You don't have to, because he was feeling kind of guilty. Like he just, you know, his boys are almost as worse or equal to girls in that season. It just looks different. And so you want to know that there's lots of grace for the, the science of that, the biology of that, but be watchful that the enemy's going to make a play. And I have yet, even in our household that's grown up with these tenants, this is all we've known, I have yet to have one where I didn't see the enemy making a really specific play about something in their identity. So you build those foundations young, in the season two, in prayer, you're really introducing spiritual warfare tools and acting on them. And I know for some of you in here, you're like, I don't even know if I have those for myself. Go to freedom prayer training. I mean, I, I can't, I don't mean to make a plug, but I sort of do. Like, you're going to get basic skills necessary to walk your kids through it because you're going to get them first for yourself. And so you go, okay, I have, I have tools. You want to give them those tools. Um, I put some scripture there. I'm not going to go into all of it, but basically in a paraphrase, in prayer times with them, and Catherine, you were saying praying one-on-one, I think kids are much more comfortable in this season one-on-one. Like little, this is fun, and then you do one-on-one, so when they're big, it's still fun as a group. But this season is so important one-on-one. So when they are going through something, and they will, no matter what kind of kid it is, You've got to teach them in prayer how to destroy arguments that set themselves up against the knowledge of God and take it captive. And so with all of our kids, I mean, this was the symbol for that. Okay, that thing that you came home and you just said, I just feel like I'm whatever, unworthy, not likable, that I'm going to fail. Take it captive, like by the jugular. That's what that scripture means. And let's hold it up before God and say, God, 
did that thought, did that belief, did that idea come from you? Let's wait. You ask. I'm going to ask. Dad's going to ask. Where'd this come from? If it's not God, okay, God, what do I need to do with it? And so I always believe in giving God first dibs, adult prayer times all the way down. So we'll just say, what do I do with it? Sometimes, depending on the child, the youth, they'll say, oh, God just said I can toss it. I just felt like I saw him tossing it. And we say, okay, God, we choose to toss that out. We're not keeping that. For children who may be learning some of those tenets in prayer, you can say, you know, Scripture says we don't have to keep it if it's not from God. I can tell you because mom and dad know this part of God's personality. We know the scripture. It's not yours. It doesn't line up with this truth. So what should we do with it? And again, kids in puberty, they're still children and youth. They're still creative. We can say, do we want to write it down and crumble it up? I've seen groups of youth do this powerfully. I've seen all the way from Girls who are abused and trafficked in India take all those beliefs and just rip them to little shreds and put them in a trash can. Really powerful. I've seen just common, normal American Christian youth things where they're like, yeah, you know what? God didn't make me to walk like this. They'll ride it. Um, I've seen boys in that prepubescent take it and bat it with the wiffle ball bat. I mean, use whatever. So they have that visual when the enemy comes in to do it again because he will. He'll, he'll keep pointing at it till he believes that they believe what they say is true. And we'll equip them with that. Hey, we just did this, but we know how the enemy works, just like we know how God works. You're, you may very well wake up tomorrow, and that lie will come again. we got to have a game plan. Remember when you hit it with the wiffle ball bat across the yard? That's a picture to remind you what's true. You don't have to keep this. So you go after that in prayer. You go after the fact in some of their scriptures that in the moment where they feel less than a child of God. I love the James 4 verse for kids and adults. You submit and you go, oh God, help me. I can't fight this on my own. I'm not going to engage the lie, but I'm going to run straight to God. And you've set up that foundation in season one in prayer where they can do that. So we want we run right to him to do that. Um, the second part of that, and again, I, can't, I cannot not speak from the freedom prayer lens because that's just what we've done and what we know, and it's been fruitful not only for my own life, for my husband's life, but for our children's life. And they, I asked their permission to share some of these examples, because you should never share about your kids without asking. They're like, oh yeah, because they're pretty freed up because they've walked through this. Um, with everything that came at them, everything that they struggled with, every issue that was an attack on their identity, I viewed it from what is just a core piece in freedom prayer, that we sued lens. And it's basically Luke 15 parable, one parable, four parts. All the different ways that Jesus sees what we encounter and what we struggle with, and beautifully, all the ways he responds. And so I don't have time to go into that today. Um, you can go into that with some people here or if you do a training. But everything that our children brought to us in that season two, that was the lens that we engaged it with. And that lens is so beautiful because it has some action things that you do when you're wounded, when you've sinned, when you have ungodly beliefs, when you get caught in something that you didn't mean to get caught in. I'm just going to take a minute on that one. For my own household, for many others' households who have had the privilege to pray with their children and youth, that getting caught in something you didn't mean to get caught in, I think is the enemy's greatest weapon, especially with church kids. 
We call it in freedom prayer entanglement. It's the lost sheep who, out of ignorance or curiosity, kind of wanders off and gets caught in something that they didn't even know how bad it was. It wasn't sin because they didn't really know it was bad. And it wasn't out of a place of wounding. It was just they didn't know. So I'll give you this example. My oldest son, he said I could talk to you about this. When he was in that pre-puberty stage, good kid, still a great, delightful young man-child, somewhere in between, (laughs) man-child. He was about 10, and we were in Texas, and his schools had given iPads to to use in school, and um, you were allowed to have games on it that you couldn't use at school, that you could use at home, and we were very watchful of those things. We're like, mm. Okay, so he started playing Minecraft, seemingly, which is fine. Minecraft's fine. The enemy will actually use fine things to make a play. And the way he's wired, he started to play it, and we had limited time on how you could play it. And one night, it was about 11 o'clock, he came out of his bedroom. Corey and I, my husband, were sitting in the living room, and he said, I cannot sleep because the Minecraft thing is building in my head, And I'm hearing a voice that says, and this will never leave you, this this building, building, building. He's like, and it's making me really stressed. And I think he used some sort of language because we had taught that language young. I'm caught. I know I'm not supposed to have that thought. He knew enough because we had laid the foundation. This is pulling on me in a way it shouldn't. He's like, I feel like God wants my mind to be at peace with him. He's 10. Because that season one foundation was there. He knew he didn't have to keep this. He also knew he was a little bit tormented by it. That this was going to play. He's like, I don't feel like I can get to God. So we just very quickly did the business of, tell God you don't want to keep it. You didn't mean to get caught there. You don't want it. We're going to sever it. We're going to cut that off, that tie. He's like, yeah, I think that's good. And we said, rather than me going, because I knew as the mom, I'm like, and we are not playing that game anymore. (laughs) Because... The enemy does not need much to work with. He'll take whatever he can get. If it's pulling on you, we're going to... But I said, ask the Lord, what do you do now? And he's like, oh, yeah. He's like, I'm done. He's like, can you help me figure out how to talk about this with my friends? Because they're going to make fun of me. That's our job. Like, we can provide that covering. But he's like, I'm done. I I don't even want to have that on my iPad. It's fine. It's not a demonic thing, I think. I mean, I've looked at it. It's like building. But he's like, "It, it got me because there is a little place to be to be got there. And so that's that's one example. So you give them tools in prayer, you walk them through it. And that is really tenets of freedom prayer. And my children would not be where they're at without those. I, I don't, again, mean to give a commercial for it, but it's just scripturally true, some of those tools. Um, let's see. Also, in those years, again, it's important to know that Identity and warfare, they need those tools in prayer, how to get their identity restored, how to know how to do battle. And those are the places that the enemy is going to attack by making them think that they are the evil one. I've, I've seen many church, like children of deacons, children of pastors going, I think I was made evil because I had this thought. Because no one told them how to take it captive and go, where did this come from? Why is this here? What's the ground? And so it's important to give them that. Um, also know in those years that they're going to just be covered with guilt and shame and fear at every turn. 
And so you can be watchful in prayer. Like when we prayed together as a family this past weekend before they started back in their new year, one of the questions we had them ask the Lord is, God, would you show me any place where I am fearful with this next year? Will you show me? Tell me, tell me where I'm holding fear. And then we help them do the exchange. Like, I don't have to keep that. What is it that I'm supposed to have? And then finally, season three is just maintenance. Um, for example, my oldest man-child, he was not looking like himself this past week. He's second semester, junior year, lots of pressure, lots of we're about to apply for college, visit college, ACT, AP course, you know, all the stuff. But I knew it was something more than that when we were talking to him late at night in the kitchen because teenagers, that's when they want to talk and you want to go to bed, but it's 1030. <laughs> and my husband and I are standing there. I was like, hey, what's, what's going on right here? He's like, just responsibility. I was like, yeah, I know you've got a lot right now, but what else? He's like, well, I read these news stories. <laughs> it's not funny, but it is. He's like about Nashville drivers and road rage, and they just take out a gun and shoot people. I was like, yeah, that's kind of the sad state of our society. He's like, but I'm a new driver, and sometimes I do things that I don't mean to. And he's like, what if they shoot me? I was like, highly unlikely, but are you just carrying some responsibility and fear? He's like, yeah, because sometimes I drive one of my siblings. And, and then he just started listing all these what ifs. And I was like, honey, I think the enemy's making a play on the what ifs. Do you feel really kind of oppressed with that? He's like, yeah. I was like, this weekend, can we just get 30 minutes to pray it out? That's like code in our house. We're going to sit down and do freedom prayer. It'll take half an hour, if that. Like, we're just going to cut some of these things, trade them in. These are responsibilities you don't need to carry. They were taken as joy, and he's typically a joyful kid. Um, Electives in prayer, and this season, when you've established one and two, with my children who are older, I just go, what do you need in prayer? So my daughter's like, I want to sit down with you, Mom, with Scripture. I want to see how you make the jump from what you read to what you say. Yes, let's do that. I'm not saying this is what we're doing. I'm like, what do you need? What do you want to do? Personal prayer and worship, Ben, especially with the older three right now, I'm looking at where they're naturally wired. So I have a couple of them that are just justice all the way. I love it. So they are about the the marginalized, the poor. They're about other nations. So let's start praying into that. God, will you give me your words? Will you give me your heart? Um, And then I would say in this season, you start discipling discernment. That, honestly, in my opinion, doesn't start kicking in until high school, where they're really like, that's the Lord, that's me, that's the enemy. So we'll stop them and say, how do you know? Our oldest at a worship prayer gathering this past year said, I heard the Lord clear as day. I know it was him for the first time. And we said, how did you know? How do you know that was him? He's like, because I had a specific scripture, a specific song, and this older woman in our church was praying that over the other person, and she did it 10 seconds after me. And he said, I felt like the Lord said, see, you can hear me too. And we're like, how did you know that was the Lord's voice and not your voice? And he said, I know it was because it was better than how I could say it. It came really fast and really still. Like, that's scripture. And so we're like, yeah, pay attention. That's him. So now you know what's you and not you. And I would not stress moms, grandmas, if they're not getting that till almost when they're out your door. That's about the right time where it's becoming their own. You're just building on that foundation. And I would say release them into the places where they are equipped to do this. Um, I have one that's very justice-oriented, so she wants to do prayer that looks like that. The oldest is more of a community organizer, so he organized this prayer day at at his school. Do it. Like, 
that's good, this is good, but we just release and equip and support them in that. Helpful hints, and then we're done. And you can ask whatever you want to ask. Do not shove prayer down their throat. You're going to want to, especially if you've done freedom prayer training, especially if you've had a freedom prayer time, you're like, I have screwed them up because I'm screwed up, and now i got to fix it in one day. And so I would say, like, refrain from that. And when I ask my children over the break, like, what, what has been helpful? My oldest daughter, she's like, you never shoved it down our throat. It meaning prayer, but really freedom prayer. Because often I would look at them and say, like, do you need freedom prayer for freedom prayer? They're like, no, we're good. Because there's so many things there if, if we're doing this almost at a full-time kind of rate. And so I would say, don't shove it down their throat. She's like, you always made it available, but you honored me if I wasn't ready to do that yet. Really important to honor where they're at. So don't shove it down their throat. The best thing you can do is get it for yourself and be in conversation with your spouse. Like, here's what the Lord told me. Here's what the Lord showed me. Here's the places that I'm walking in now that I wasn't. Have that conversation going out loud all the time because they'll pick it up. Make space whenever and however for prayer. When they're ready, you do it. Or you make an appointment. My, my children, I remember reading Sally Clarkson years ago. She did a similar kind of thing with her children. I love Sally Clarkson. And I'm not even a true homeschool mama, but I think she's amazing. And so she would set appointments like, okay, this child, we're going to go sit in the chairs, comfy chairs in the room, and we're going to talk about this. How does Saturday at 10 work? Because then they've got time to prepare. If they want to do it right then, great. But there's something really special about carving time for them, especially because in my ministry life, I carve time for people. Like, I'm going to pray with this person or this person. So they are, they are no different. Be available. Be invitational. Be transparent with your own stuff. Um, I had one of my children, uh, we were at a family camp, and during the kid time, the kids went to something for two hours. My husband and I were praying, and one child got back early, and he came in. He's like, oh, I'm sorry, because we were praying. We're like, no, no, come in. And he watched me do my own heart business in front of the Lord with my husband, and he was like, thank you that you would do that. So be freed up enough to do that so your children see it. Be encouraging even in the small steps. Um, when they start to really engage the Lord, encourage those pictures, encourage those senses, encourage what they hear. If it's, if, unless it's blasphemous, and if it is, if they missed it, if it doesn't line up with the word, don't shame them. There's a precedent biblically for missing it, Samuel and Eli. So you just say, you know what, we learn how to do this together. We learn what's the Lord and what's not. Um, reinforce the concept of building capacity. Small steps to get there. It is very rare that someone just arrives the first time they pray. And they're like on the floor in the woods. Jonathan Edwards. Like, I'm, I'm still going for that, but it's rare. It doesn't really happen that much. You're just building capacity. Reinforce the truth that you can't pray wrong. You're just learning how to do it. And reinforce the truth that it's okay to miss it sometimes. That's why you have helpers, your parents being the safest ones to do that with. Questions? Sorry. I'd like to cut it right to 1030, but I'm happy to, to answer questions specific or vague or continue the conversation more later. Yes? Can you remind me how you verbiaged to your kids when somebody came to your house to pray and you were going to go to your room? How did you say yeah. we're going to the room to... I would just say we're going to go pray and seek the Lord with whoever because they saw them come in. Yeah. And I would say things like, your job while we're in there, obviously, is to not burn the house down. Like, here, you've got 
finish dinner and this child, you're going to do this. But I would say things like, just pray for us. So we're including them in that intercessory part, even they can't be there. Pray that the Lord moves and he brings freedom. Or, you know, something vague enough that it's not. Because they're so used to people coming in and out, they don't think anything of it. But if you can include them in the process, you'll be surprised at how they turn around the next day and go, how'd it go? And we'll say, yeah, the Lord really met us. He did the thing we couldn't do. You know, vague kind of terminology. That's good. Yeah. Um, How do you know if it's, you know, in freedom prayer, like sometimes you don't know if it's going to get super deep or not super deep. And so if you were praying with someone else, and you're like, okay, we'll just interrupt and be like, okay, I need y'all to yeah. go. <laughs> I think especially in that young mom years when kids are on the floor with the goldfish and someone would come over, if they're young enough, young enough, it doesn't matter. Like I have sat and asked the Lord for someone and just feeding goldfish to their child so that they could hear the Lord. And so, you know, that really young age, it's okay. Otherwise, you just reconvene or, yeah, you'll know. It's okay to stop and say, you know what, let's let's get some babysitters. This deserves time. Yeah. What if you have a child who has a really, really hard time? So you know that she's angry with God, but in the context of comparison to yep. siblings and all those things, and even and they're not artistic and they're you know, mm-hmm. they feel big feelings but just don't yeah. want to express or can't express. So with Kids and youth, children, what I have one of one that's like that. I'll offer multiple choice because they they it's all in there, and I'll pick one that I think is probably right on, one that's ridiculous to make them laugh and not be so caught up in the pressure, and then two others. And I'll say, pick the one that best describes your response to God or where you're at. So multiple choice, that's part of our role is discipling our children. We can help them out there. Yeah, that's a great question. Anything else? Yes. Can you speak a little bit to building a community, maybe outside of the church, family, friends? You know, in a, in a perfect world, everyone who's going to interact with my kids knows these these tools and yeah. loves Jesus. But but that will foster that outside of my husband and, my, and myself. Um, can you speak into that well, more? I mean, like, so where my thought goes is, you know. We have a lot of community that are not believers, mm-hmm. and I know that's kind of the point, right? <laughs> is is so that they can model this. We're teaching them how to use this to reach the world. It's not just our little bubble where we yeah. get really good and happy with the Lord. Yeah. But um, how can we help teach other people who are speaking into their lives? You know what I mean? Like, how yeah. does this go beyond our family unit? That's. I mean, I'm not going to answer your question. I can already tell, but I'm going to give it a shot. Like, that's hard because. I think if you make the family unit similar to abiding with the Trinity, like they should almost mirror each other. Like this is our home base. Mm-hmm. No matter what's going out on here, we can get it dealt with here. I, at least in our house, we, I, we don't hold anyone else with the expectation to do that, not even other believing people. Yeah. Um, because I think it's easy to get disappointed or, you know, people have different ways of doing things. So, like, I, I don't hold my church or my school responsible for discipling my children. That's solely on us. Bonus if it happens here, too. And so going out there, I think you can equip them with these tools that actually become missional and evangelistic. So I know with my two oldest, they've used some of this even in their relationships with other people 
with a simple phrase like, you don't have to keep that. Or with, I'm thinking of one instance with my daughter and a friend. You know, that's not true what you're thinking. The Lord doesn't feel that way. Do you want to ask him about it? Mm -hmm. And so it's more from here out than maybe, I mean, I'm all about people getting equipped. Like in my perfect world, everybody gets equipped. That's kind of the goal. But, you know, I can't expect a non-believing person to operate in that. My hope is that it would be so contagious that they're like, I know I lived, we lived in a cul-de-sac where we were among Mormons, non-believers, atheists, Hindu. I mean, it was like, and so we would just look for ways to drop. You know, you don't have to keep that. And, and so it was more missional than it was, I expect, you to fall in line. And if, and if something gets wounded, there's a home base to come back and go, you know, that's okay. They didn't mean to. They didn't know. Let's deal with that. So it's a backwards way of answering your question because no, I don't know. So, yeah. I'm, I'm happy to stick around and answer more questions because I'm going to have to tow my car that's in the parking lot. So I'm going to be here for a while. So I'm happy to talk to you. Um, I would like to just, if it's okay, Jeannie, just to pray blessing in this, and then I'm happy to answer questions or to spend some more time at another time talking through the specifics, because I just ran through that really fast. Thanks for your time. I know your time's precious. Um, I'm just going to pray for you. Lord God, we need you. Um, I am the first to say how badly I need you as a parent. Um, We have not arrived And we're just desperate for more of you in our homes, for ourselves, with our children, with our families. Um, God, we know that our children need these tenets now more than ever. They need these truths about how you work in prayer. And so I'm asking for a greater deposit of your spirit to lead and guide us as we parent, as we pray, as we model prayer, as we teach prayer, as we pray with our children. Would you equip the generation that's represented in this room from the littlest babies all the way up to the children with feet out the door, would you equip them with the knowledge that their safest and best place is in communion with you? That that is where all the answers are, that that is where the good stuff is, that they were made to abide with you. Would they hunger for it? (coughs) Would the moms and the grandmas in here be surprised at the opportunities that the Lord gives, that you give, God, for them to, to talk to them and to answer that hunger. So, God, we're, we're putting all the eggs in your basket. We are leaning on you in this. Jesus, in your name, amen. amen. Thank you, God. Let's say that. Say it one more time. Another train. Another train. Yes. 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 Yes.